And now, The Federal Drive with Tom Temin. Hello and thanks for joining us on this Monday, September 25th, 2023, seven minutes past the hour. I'm Tom Temin. Our producers are Eric White and Peter Masurlian, our digital editors Daisy Thornton and Darris Lauderdale. Coming up in this hour of The Federal Drive, defense spending, too much or maybe not enough of the right things, helping drive the shutdown talk. Plus, shutdown survival tips from someone who's been through four of them. Those stories and much more ahead during this hour of The Federal Drive. But first, the Government Accountability Office has agreed to give staff a range of hybrid and remote work options, as well as a more streamlined way for staff to transfer to other GAO offices. GAO struck that deal with the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers, a union that represents 2,500 GAO employees. For more on the deal, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the president of the local 1921, Benjamin Emmel. In essence, this agreement takes the lessons that we've learned over the past three years and incorporated them into GAO's workplace policies. Our members support the Congress in a variety of locations and assignments. We've always been stationed here at headquarters in Washington, D.C. and in our field offices across the country. And we conduct our work wherever the federal government spends money. Now this agreement uh, expands the workplace flexibilities that the agency can utilize. It's going to help employees manage their work and life, maintain their high productivity, and in return, GAO can be a good steward of taxpayer dollars and recruit and retain talented employees from across the country. In a nutshell, while GAO has had a negotiated telework program with the union for quite some time, this expands it from the prior allowance of teleworking up to four days a week, the three different tiered options, you know, based on employee preferences and agency needs. Our prior program allowed employees to easily shift to the maximum telework during the pandemic period. And so really what we're doing is expanding upon that and using the lessons learned throughout that period into codifying policies that work going forward. So the agreement provides for traditional telework for a set number of days each pay period, a second hybrid option where employees in the vicinity of geo locations would report as needed. Could be for a day or days or weeks at a time, depending on the work needs and projects. And third, a fully remote option where an employee works from their home or other approved location and then travels as directed to further our mission in support of the Congress. Just so I understand this, it seems like this is a situation where for each individual GAO employee, the in-work expectation varies considerably. Did I understand that that four days a week is was the baseline before this agreement, or where does the four days a week fit into what we've been talking about? So the baseline has always been, uh, you know, based on what an employee preferences are and what the agency requires. So previously, the maximum amount of telework one could do is essentially working what equates to four days a week from their alternate location with one day a week in a GAO location. So what we're shifting to now is a a three-tiered model where uh, based on preferences and agency needs, it could be four days a month. It could be greater than that, teleworking. It could be remote work. It could be an as-needed option. So we've expanded the range of flexibilities to include all of our GAO employees, both uh, on the analysts, to you know, support the Congress and then also our operations staff who uh, keep our agency facilities and operations running. Given those tiers, you said the employee preference is kind of what drives that, but how 
process-wise, does that work? Does an employee say, you know, I'd prefer to have this tier of telework, this tier of hybrid work? Is there a conversation that needs to happen with the supervisor? What all goes into that decision-making process? Absolutely. It starts with the employee, you know, making an application of what they think works best. And ultimately, it's on GEO's management to approve or disapprove those agreements based on what their job tasks are and what their duties require, you know, so that we can continue our our agency mission. It is an application process and a conversation that we expect to happen um, between employees and their management. Of course, some employees will choose primarily to work on site and will have job duties that will require more of an on-person presence than others. That being said, our work auditing the federal government and supporting the Congress continues. We'll still be writing our reports, conducting our field work, supporting our testimonies and briefings on the Hill. Our operations staff, many of whom who have been on-site throughout the pandemic, will continue to manage our facilities, IT systems, our records and security functions. So, you know, that in-person work will continue. It's really just the, the steady state requirements that may be changing for employees, and there will be a greater range of flexibilities than what was previously offered. I understand that in the lead up to this agreement, uh, GAO employees were looking at kind of the best practices of what works in this new age of how federal work gets done and just how work in general gets done. And you guys looked at some best practices in the private sector here. What stood out to you in studying these different workplaces? And what ultimately did you gather from that research before getting to this agreement? You know, I think what we found in our research and and continue to see in the news and surveys that today's professionals, you know, are looking for flexibility to manage and succeed in their work and also in their personal lives. And as an employer, you know, GAO can now advertise and offer these flexibilities both to the current workforce for retention purposes, but also can recruit the, you know, the best and brightest from around the nation who might not be yet working for the federal government and are looking to replicate the benefits or flexibilities that the private sector might offer. It's clear that what both parties in this negotiation, this agreement wanted is that we wanted our in-person work to be deliberate and impactful. And so, you know, that's why we're saying our audit sites, our visits, our testimonies, our, our support of Congress, all that continues. And on those days when we were in the office, we wanted to be an intentional purpose behind that, not an arbitrary reporting requirement. And, and so that's where we come up with our three options that will really support the wide variety of work that GAO employees do. And that can vary from team to team and subject to subject. And so we're, we're proud of having those different options available that will enable all the individual circumstances. And that's certainly something that we saw both in our experience, our long history, doing telework at GAO and also something that we've seen in the private sector as well. Yeah, I guess it's not lost on me that for an agency like GAO, the idea of coming up with an evidence-based, research-based proposal for why telework works and how that should be the model going forward, that seems to be a very fitting way for all this to come together. Absolutely. I mean, in our professional work, we look to evidence and the facts on hand and you know this negotiation and agreement, I think, also demonstrates the collaboration that can happen between management and employees to making a workplace better. Certainly, we find that collaboration between our agency management and the union is one of the things that has made our agency the best place to work in the federal government for years running now. And the final agreement 
um, reflects not only the evidence that we've collected, but also the you know, high level of collaboration that we can have between all parties concerned and making sure that the final agreement, you know, works for the agency, ensures our mission going forward, but also works for employers as well in this competitive labor market. And you mentioned that GAO for a number of years now has been the number one ranked on the best places to work survey from the Partnership for Public Service. It seems like by all measures here, this is just making a good employer an even better one, uh, given these workplace flexibilities. Absolutely. You know, GEO's telework program that was the product of negotiations between the agency and the GEO employees organization has been a popular one, right? It's been a mainstay of our collective bargaining agreements and agency policies for quite this time. So, you know, really what we see this future of work, as we call it, this agreement doing is, you know, expanding on those, continuing our employer status as a, a model agency and, and doing so in evidence-based practices with all the internal controls that you expect from, a, you know, the nation's auditing agency, right? We'll have the rules and policies in place that we've, we've learned from uh, throughout the years of doing telework and, and making sure that this agreement doesn't have any impact and only enhances the work that we provide to Congress and, and being stewards of taxpayer dollars. Benjamin Emmel, president of the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Local 1921, representing employees of the GAO, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Still to come, shutdown survival tips from someone who's been through four of them. This is The Federal Drive with Tom Temin here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.